The October 7th attack on Israel has spread to 10 countries and at least four major terrorist organizations. Iran now has operatives at the west end of the Mediterranean as well as the Red Sea. Hamas teams have fled Qatar for Turkey, which controls access to Lebanon and the Black Sea. America's Afghanistan debacle was quickly followed by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, by China and Russia's fueling insurgencies in North Africa, and by Iran's attacks on Israel from Gaza and the Golan Heights. If this were not alarming enough, the U.S. administration is putting out a full-court international press to replace the Israeli government with a more liberal left-wing branch to acquiesce for the establishment of a new Palestinian state. Interesting how the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Joel, the Gospels, and Revelation laid out with detail the events we are seeing even though they were written thousands of years earlier. Please join us for these stories and much more in a world in chaos. Headlines Meets Prophecy, February 2024. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching or listening to the Russic Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Today's discussion is Headlines Meets Prophecy, February 2024 subtitled A World in Chaos. This is where we take a peek around uh, the events around the world and see how that may or may not line up with what Scripture has to say, prophetic events, or perhaps signposts pointing to uh, pending prophecies. Before I begin, please, whatever the platform you're on, if you wouldn't mind, I'd very much appreciate if you can hit the like and subscribe button, ring the bell if you're on YouTube or perhaps Rumble, um, and also, you know, give us a rating if you're on, on any of the podcast platforms. And, and you know, share the information if you think it's, if, if you think it's worthwhile. And, and I'd love to he hear some of your feedback. Um, also, go to the Rustic Outlook. Please sign up for our email list. And, and I'll tell you for another reason. We notify you of new events. But we also, if you like, we are having a, a monthly webinar series, a Zoom presentation where it's interactive. So you can come prepared, ask questions, comments, suggestions, or perhaps uh, some insight Holy Spirit has revealed to you. We had a wonderful presentation in February. Uh, we, we really broke down some things in, in the book of Zechariah. Um, one person had, had said to me, hey, you know what, if I read that book 15 times, I wouldn't have gotten the information that, that she received in that 40 or 45 minutes. So I was you know, that encouraged me because, again, it's just about all of us sharing and growing and, and becoming more proficient and more grounded in the Word of God. Um, so for that reason, we're, our next one is going to be on angels, uh, spiritual warfare, demons, the history of it. I promise you there's some startling information that uh, we're going to be sharing. So the next one's March 2nd. At 4 o'clock Eastern, always the first Saturday of the month, always at 4 o'clock Eastern. But you have to email russicoutlook at gmail.com, and we will send you the uh, Zoom information for that. So on that note, let's just get into this. A lot is happening, but before I begin, um, I want to lay the groundwork for something. I've, I've talked about this, and there's, to me, a startling statistic when it comes to the church. Uh, this is the global church, where roughly 25, 26% uh, of the world look, or the church looks 
at the world through a biblical lens or a biblical point of view. They're not, they're, 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 they're discounting what's happening around us. And I, I, I've been thinking about this and it's been on my heart. Um, and, you know, part of my motivation, many of you, you know, you, 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 you do know this. I mean, this is really twofold for me. It's one, if you're sitting on the fence, you're not sure about the reality, the veracity of Scripture and Jesus. Hopefully we come with information here that you can validate. Um, but ultimately it's about you making that personal decision, uh, but, but also giving Christians additional information so that they perhaps may be able to share it with someone in their sphere of influence that uh, this information may help. Um, so on that note, I, I, I really struggled with why the church, and, and again, it's not the majority, it is the majority of the church, it's not all is what I meant to say. Um, and I know of certain churches where, because there were people in the church trying to get um, ministries together in those local churches about this, and some of them eventually did succeed, but it, it took a lot of persuasion. And, and I, was, I was thinking about this, and I said, you know, if you look at the scriptures, if you look at the New Testament and Jesus and his apostles and disciples and, and the people who, who were following him, there's so many examples in the New Testament of, hey, this is what the prophet referred to, or what you are seeing is what was spoken about in the book of Micah, or what was spoken about in the book of Isaiah. Jesus often referred to Isaiah. Um, the, you know, famously, uh, you know, in a synagogue when, when he, you know, he recited on this day, this prophecy is, is fulfilled. And, um, uh, or, or Peter, you know, at Pentecost. And, you know, it's, so they came with two things the way I would look at it. We, you know, when we're talking about the reality of the gospel, they came with the power of the Holy Spirit, no question. Um, you know, ministering, laying hands on the sick, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, but they also came and, and alluded to the fact that what you know and what you have seen and what has been passed down from the Old Testament prophets, this is what we're seeing today. So I look at why isn't the church embracing that model? Because I, I view this as a tool of evangelism, that it, it, it's, it's a quiver, you know, it, it's, it's an arrow in the quiver, so to speak. So I want to just touch on that a little bit, and I'm going to give you an example. So let me cut to our video here. And again, headlines meets prophecy and, and the world in chaos. And we're going to be talking about some of the things that you see naturally, Israel, what we're seeing on the international court, uh, the state of America, where I'm from. And we're also going to talk about the, the elections. There's a lot happening in, in this year in, in the elections around the world. But let me go to this. Um, I would say the last great move of, of Holy Spirit in America was the um, what, what is referred to as the flower child generation. And, and we saw this, if you're familiar with the movie, The Jesus Revolution, great movie if, if you haven't. But just talking about and, and you know, documenting Chuck Smith and, 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 and the move of Holy Spirit that happened on the West Coast. And, I, you know, I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, you know, there was two things that were happening there. It was the power of Holy Spirit, right? They were operating, they were moving in the gifts, they were baptizing not only in, in water, but in the Holy Spirit. And at that same time, one, one of the most powerful books 
was The Late Great Planet Earth. I believe came out in 1978 by Hal Lindsey. I remember grabbing it, picking it up myself at the time, um, and, and just hungry for that information. And it, and it alluded to the things that they were seeing, or Hal was seeing and identifying back then, and what the scriptures had to say. So, you know, you, I, I believe, and I, I forget how many, I don't, I don't know the number of hand, but millions upon millions, and people are still talking about this book, and it's, it was published 50 years ago. My point is, there's a hunger and a thirst for, for this information. And then I look to Jesus. And so, I'm, you know, I'm going to show you on video. I'm, I'm giving you, you know, the Jesus Revolution, the Great Great Planet Earth. But Jesus, when you think about the Olivet Discourse, that was the, the quintessential uh, um, sermon on, on what the end times are and what the signs are. So here you have, you know, Jesus talked about it. Um, we've identified plenty of moments in, in past history where, uh, you know, that's, that's been brought about. And I'm, I'm pointing to the, 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 the 70s here. I can point to the first Great Awakening uh, before America was founded. And uh, so, you know, I guess, and here's where I'm going to land, that so many people would look at this and say, oh, this is the, you know, apocalyptic endings. And sure, you know, we're talking about the apocalypse and whatnot. But what is the end game? The end game is Jesus returns to earth to fulfill what the prophet said. And it is about the redemption of man. It is the res restoration to Eden. And, and, and we're going to get into this a little bit. But I, I wanted to start this off because, to be quite honest with you, it's been on my heart and it's been troubling. And, and I would say that it, even when you look at apologetics, and I'm a big believer, in, I, I love the subject and all the subjects, sub, subtitles associated with it, and I've done some things on that and I will continue to, um, but prophecy should be a tool in apologetics. There's no question. We can verify without any doubt that if you, if you consider the, um, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and how even if you were super conservative, you could say it's 100 years old before the birth of Jesus. Even if you, and they think it's, it's several hundred, and we know the, the, you know the prophets from those writings were 500 to 1,000 years earlier. So we know that that is within 98% accuracy today. Again, archaeological, scientific studies, not, you know, not a biblical slant. And, you know, we've seen these prophecies fulfilled. So I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. So let's, let's look at the Olivet Discourse just for a second. And then we're going to get into the headlines. I, I, I just, I felt like I needed to do this. So um, in this, you know, you can see this in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. But Jesus, he predicts the destruction of the Jewish temple. We see that, you know, we can look in that, in that today. I was in Jerusalem. I saw the stones. I, you know, I saw this with my own eyes. Um, he spoke of the end of the age, just like Daniel did, and, and Revelation, and, you know, pointing back to Matthew, uh, or where he talks about how the Jews will have to flee to the mountains in, in the tribulation, the great judgments that will occur, the false Christ and the prophets that will arise. Um, and then, you know, pointing to the heavens and, and, and the impact of what we see in space. The sun will be darkened. Stars will fall from heaven. Powers of the heaven will be shaken. The Son of Man will appear in the sky. Uh, the people of the earth will mourn. The Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. His angels will gather the, the elect from the earth 
And in, if you look at me, with, uh, look at me, look at the video um, in the blue highlight, the parable of the talents was given to show the rewards and judgments that will be experienced at the end of time. The parable of the sheep and the goats, of those who, who showed through their faith, through righteousness uh, uh, to the least of these, they will be rewarded. And then, you know, if, you, if not, then you have eternal punishment. So the stakes couldn't be higher. And, you know, what we see around us today is, is just so proficient and so in your face. So, you know, why this is what I, I do. And, and, you know, this is why I do this monthly series, because I think it is important. And I'm going to give you an example now of what Jesus did. Jesus gave the analogy of when he describing a lot of these signs, he said they are the beginnings of birth pains. And fortunately, I, 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 ha, I have children, but I've never given birth. And what I've seen and I understand to a degree, uh, the, the pains that are involved, the kicks, uh, the turning of the babies. And, and this is, you know, before labor. It's, so there are... Um, travails, there are uh, pain associated with it, but that's not what the people concentrate on. It's not what the mother concentrates on, or the father, or the families of uh, the supporting ones of, of the soon-to-be-delivered baby. They're looking at the birth date when you go into the gynecologist, and he gives that, that woman, hey, on you know July 16th is, is when, when you're due, and I give you this analogy here and what do you do? You look at it with great anticipation. You know, you, you, you understand that it's going to be a painful and a, pun intended, laborious process, but the outcome is what you're looking at. So I would say this is what we should be doing. We should be looking towards the return of the Son of Man with, with great anticipation. Live like, you know, we don't know when he's coming back because we don't. But at the same time, the signs are pointing to he's coming back soon. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. What is the definition of soon? Well, if you follow the prophetic timelines, you follow the events, you should know that we are in these days. We are in the latter days or the last days. Um, it could be tomorrow, five years, ten years. I don't know, but it's soon. And what, what does that mean? So I'm just going to give you a couple of images on video you know, we're talking about Jesus Christ living and reigning here on earth from Jerusalem. We'll all have assignments. We'll have rewards that will be given to us. The restoration of Eden, the lion and the lamb and the animals. And if you go back to Isaiah and how the animals will, will live and dwell with one another, it's going to be an incredible time. And this is what we have to look forward to. So although Yes, there are some very painful moments, and the earth is groaning, and the earth is, 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 is delivering birth pains, but the outcome is what we should be seeing, is what we should be viewing. So all of that to say for me is kind of getting at when we view these things around the world, I realize, you know, the, there's the temptation to say, oh, my gosh, and woe is me. And, but if you're a child of God, you know, you have the seal of the blood of Jesus with you. Uh, you know, I'm not to say that everything's always going to go right. It's not. Um, but you have peace in it. I guess that's what I would say, too. I see like what you see today. I see the world and, and all of its issues. But I do have a peace because I have a supernatural understanding where I, I give you peace, the peace I give you, 
surpasses all understanding. So I, I have that peace knowing that I'm sealed by nothing that I've done on my own, but by everything that Jesus did for me. So that's my spiel that I needed to get out. And, and, and hopefully that makes sense. So this is why I do what I do. And, you know, certainly there's a great number of churches that are, are on that same uh, level, level playing field. I'm sorry, level playing field. Um, but there's the majority is not. And if you look at the world today, they're hungry for truth. Give them the truth. Give them the gospel. And, and by no means am I saying, you know, that we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. But I think this is a tool to be included in it. So let's get into the headlines now. Um, everybody knows about what's going on in Israel in terms of the Gaza war. So this now involves 10, at least 10 countries and four major terrorist organizations. Um, you have Hamas leaders over the past few weeks have fled Qatar. They're now hiding in diplomatic missions in Morocco. Uh, they are unwanted by the king, even though the king has a relationship uh, as part of the Abraham Accords with Israel. Algeria is completely at odds with Israel, so they're hiding there as well. Those two nations are side by side on the North African coast. Um, this means Iran effectively because, you know, the, these are um, uh, uh, organizations that are propped up and supported by Iran. Uh, they have operatives at the west end of the Mediterranean in line with its threats to close down the shipping lanes, and we all know about what's going on with the Houthis in the Red Sea. In addition to that, the, uh, Hamas has also fled to Turkey, which controls access to the Black Sea and Lebanon. So, you, you know, this thing, you know, started on October 7th, and, you know, many people were looking at Israel-Gaza, but it's... It's growing. It's developing. Its tentacles are starting to spread exactly as the Bible laid out. And then in addition to that, and I don't think this should be um, out of sight, out of mind, because it's a couple of years old, but I believe it, it started a domino effect. The debacle, and that's all I can say it is, it, with how America handled the um, evacuation of Afghanistan was an absolute disgrace. Um, and then quickly followed by the Russian invasion into the Ukraine. And then you have Russia and China, uh, and have, they have been over the past 12 to 14, 15 months going into different areas of, uh, of Africa, North Africa, Western Africa. And I, I've highlighted a lot of that before in some of these updates that we've done. Um, and then you have Iran, you know, with, with their proxies and their organizations and, you know, you have them at the top of the mountain, so to speak, and they don't seem to mind this position because you have Hezbollah, you have Hamas, you have the Houthis, and they're really doing the grunt work, the dirty work, so to speak, and Iran is isolated. So, you know, I would say from their vantage point, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's part of their chess game. So I don't think it should be overlooked. And uh, I encourage you to keep Israel in prayer because um, Benjamin Netanyahu, his government, the leaders there, they're, they're under tremendous pressure. Actually, and I will say just a few days ago, thank God, they, they did get a couple. They were able to rescue um, a couple of uh, hostages out of Rafa. Um, interestingly enough, the Americans said, don't go into Rafa. 
And, and you know, that's what happened there, which is probably a good segue of where I'd like to go. Um, I want to break down the Americans' policy that was laid out. Uh, and, and the reason I'd like to do this is we don't know what will happen in November. November is the American elections, uh, whether that would be 46 who's running now, whether he'll make it to, to November is remains to be seen. I think if, if, if you're following the news, you know he's had a rough couple of weeks, so to speak. Um, but there's a, uh, there's a writer in the New York Times, Thomas Friedman, um, who has a great deal of influence and he has for the last 30 years or so, and he's, his ear is into Washington. But I would also say he's a little bit of a water boy for the administration. Um, he may be wise on an intellectual standpoint and, and you know, a little bit of a wordsmith, um, but he puts out some things that, you know, he's getting his information from the administration and he's laying it out there. The reason I want to get into this, because he's talking about it, he's titled this on January 31st, in the New York Times opinion piece, the uh, 46th Doctrine. And whether w w what's interesting is if you are, and this is my opinion, if you are objective, you know that he's not running, he being 46, is not running the policies. Um, he's just not capable, and especially at the speed that they're going. So there's others that are other others that are running it, in my opinion. Um, and certainly by many, many others, including um, high-leading uh, military generals and, and, and officers of, in, in the American services. But what I'm getting at, and, and I'll, I'll show you in a second, they rely on think tanks, on uh, people who will go along with the end game, the vision. And I believe the end game is the United States needs to come down quite a few notches and gets in line with the whole uh, global alliance, which will spearhead out of Europe. And we know that from scripture, but also just upon what we see. So let me, let me show you something here. Um, <clears throat> and th this is Friedman uh, speaking with Blinken, the Secretary of State at the World Economic Forum in January. But there was three main points to this uh, layout, and it's a robust stand against Iran, which is wonderful, but you know, they have not done it. They've actually supported Iran, meaning the Americans. Um, an unprecedented U.S. initiative to form a Palestinian state now and a vastly expand U.S. security alliance with Saudi Arabia and the surrounding areas. Now, if you go back before uh, uh, the events of <clears throat> October 7th, Saudi Arabia was, and, you know, all indications were they were very close to an agreement as part of the whole Abraham Accords, and then, in my estimation, Iran saw that it's the last thing they wanted because Saudi Arabia and Iran are at odds. And Saudi Arabia wanted the American security, wanted the Americans' alliance. Uh, you know, they can't look at America today as a, as, a, as a righteous partner. So you can see by other things that they've done with China and, and Russia, uh, they formed allegiances and alliances there, and they've entered into a number of different military and economic agreements with them. But I, I, I say all that because I believe that no matter who is in office come November, if it's on the Democrat side, they would follow these policies. In other words, as I said, I don't believe this was laid out by 46. And I think it's kind of a window into what they're looking at. 
Um, <clears throat> so let me, let me point to this and cut to this. Simultaneously, it signals an awareness that the U.S. will never have the global legitimacy, the NATO allies and the Arab and Muslim allies it needs to take on Iran in a more aggressive manner unless we stop letting Israeli Prime Minister hold our policy hostage. <clears throat> so, I, and I will say, you know, Friedman's been dead set against Netanyahu's government for a long time. Uh, and, and I would say several of his governments over the past 10, 15 years. Uh, we need to start building a credible, legitimate Palestinian authority that can one day govern Gaza and the West Bank effectively and as a good neighbor to Israel along final borders that they would negotiate together. This is important. Nader, I can't even pronounce the last name, Mujvizda, I'm sure I killed it, uh, founder and CEO of the geopolitical consulting, consulting firm Macro Advisory Partners and a senior advisor to UN Secretary, former UN Secretary General uh, Kofi Amman describes this emerging doctrine as the Great Awakening Strategy. So I say all that because, you know, it's, it's embedded in the UN. It's embedded in the, the global endgame. They're laying it out here and they're telling you that you must have to have a Palestinian state. Now, Israel is littered with history of trying to give land for peace to the Palestinians. Um, and s at so many points in the past, they decided not to accept certain criteria, certain ideas. I, I, and, and then what you see over the past few months, not all, but a great deal of the Palestinians have said from the river to the sea, they want Israel eliminated. They do not want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution. They want to get rid of the Jews. And you can go to all of the different leaders that have spoken uh, in Hamas, and, you know, they're on record over the last six, seven weeks. It's, I'm, you know, in, in other words, they're very clear, and they have been very clear, and there is a history there of, of land for peace, and it's never worked, and it never will work, and we can look to the Bible to, to gather that information as well. So... But nonetheless, this is what they're saying. If you want the peace accords, if you want peace with Saudi Arabia, which is incredibly influential, probably the most influential Middle East partner or Arab partner you can have, um, this is what you're going to have to do. Now, what I find interesting is not only will it never succeed, um, but the other outside Arab worlds are not looking to come in and help. So even though Egypt's concerned, because they're on the border, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, but you don't see them saying, okay, let's open up our doors or let's even temporarily provide provision because of the nature of the aggression that uh, the Palestinians are, are holding towards Israel. And by, you know, if, if you're watching me and you happen to be a supporter of, of the Palestinians, and, you know, from an Arab standpoint, I, my estimation, and I've been to Israel, and I've spoken to many Palestinians, a great deal of them want peace. They're working in Israel. They're involved in the Israeli government. You have Arab-Palestinian uh, uh, people on the courts, in government, serving um, store owners, fronts, uh, uh, storefronts is what I meant to say. Um, so you can, it's, it's not an ideal situation, and I would never say that Gaza is, but you can with papers, you can get in and out. Yeah, so you can travel into Israel. And then when I hear these things about apartheid, 
it's, it's the most ludicrous, ignorant statement I can possibly imagine. Uh, for them to say this, and you have a lot of Hollywood, and you have a lot of people in Europe, and they're pressing Israel for that. Um, it is, it is anti-Semitic, and the anti-Semitism that's on the rise, and again, in my estimation, no question, is satanic. It is satanic in its roots. When you want to um, uh, push and, and, and say some things that are just so outrageous, you can sit on Israel and go into Gaza, and you will see signs, no, no, I'm paraphrasing, no Jews allowed. We don't want Jews over here. That would be, that would be apartheid. That would be a separation. And that's what you have if you are Jewish going in. But they will allow, and it's not ideal, and I, 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 my heart is there for people who want freedom, want the ability to, to govern themselves and, and whatnot, but it just hasn't worked because of the corruption and because of the evil and the nefarious activities and goals of, of, of the Jews, you know, of, of the people hating the Jews. So um, I, I, I think that's important. And when we know this, and yet we still see 46, his administration, and 44, remember, they were pushing for the pre-1967 borders, and they still are today, which is a death wish. You would be signing a death wish. It, and I'll show you that on the map in a second. So um, anyway, let me go down to the lower right here. Uh, losing on the regional stability front, Israel is now the target of a forefront Iranian assault. Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and the Shiite militias in Iraq, uh, they cannot generate the Arab or NATO allies it needs to win because it refuses to do anything to nurture a credible, legitimate Palestinian partner. So again, Thomas Friedman's laying out, you have to create the legitimate Palestinian partner in order for this to work. And he is the mouthpiece. So I, I say all this because when I watched this and then I followed the news over the next week or so, and sure enough, it, this is what came up, the 46th Doctrine, the 46th Doctrine, the 46th Doctrine. So in other words, it was leaked from the White House through Friedman, and now many others are running for it. And I say it's just, it's fine. It's lending an insight into what their motives, what their strategies are, and it's doomed for failure. Uh, so... You know, that's, that, that, that's all I can add for that. Um, but I want to now consider recognizing the Palestinian state, is, which is what they are proposing. So, you know, on the left-hand side, I show you that distance of if you take what is the West Bank and ancient Samaria and Judea, you have a nine-mile difference from border to border. That's, that's how you're going to protect yourself, or 11 miles at some point. So the disparity there is is suicide. Um, but this is what Friedman is proposing and through the government, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, a 10-year-old would know that doesn't work. Um, so before and after the 67 war, I give you the, you know, the, uh, um, the, the maps there, and you see in the lower portion on the right-hand side, the Sinai, which has since been given over to the Egyptians per the Sadat Agreement in 78. And then you see Gaza, the West Bank, and the Golan Heights, which is now part of um, Israeli territory. So they've won all of that. They have that territory, and, and that's where they are. And what Friedman is saying in this outline 
hey, this is what this is where we need to go. We need to go back to pre-1967. Um, and again, you know, you can just go to the Bible and it, it just bears itself out. Um, and then I'm showing you Blinken here. He was recently uh, at Davos speaking at the World Economic Forum. Uh, he said that the view of uh, leaders in Arab and Muslim, Muslim world has changed on the creation of a Palestinian state to help Israel integrate into the region. That's false. That's absolutely false. But because it comes out of the White House, they want you to say, well, that's fact. Uh, that too many Palestinians have been killed or injured in Israel's war against Hamas terrorists. And that's kind of where I want to go next. So you've had the, the World Court of Public Opinion saying they're committing genocide, that this is an absolutely horrendous war, and it is. Any war is horrendous. Anytime civilian casualties are, are, are coming in line, it's absolutely terrible. But I want to show you something that points to, by independent research, independent statistics, the, the Palestinians today are giving you the numbers of the deaths. They are including their soldiers. And so when people would give civilian deaths, they would say these are civilians and they're not part of the army. So that's number one. But even if you take the uh, Hamas at their word, <clears throat> which, you know, you never, they've never been honest about anything, um, but let's take them at their word. Let's, let's say that. So if you take those casualty numbers and you apply them to the ratio of soldier versus civilian, uh, I will say, and I'm going to show you the statistics in a second, uh, and this was bore out by England recently as well, independent of, of what I'm going to show you. The average war is nine civilian deaths to one soldier absolutely incredibly harmful um, but let me give you the numbers of what some things that we can look at today um, so the ratio of civilian deaths uh, in let's go to the UN at that one in the middle nine to one Afghanistan the Americans going to great lengths remember uh, it's five to one Iraq was four to one great numbers compared to nine to one is the average if you take the Hamas numbers at face value, it's still 1.5 civilians to one. So I would say, and you can look at this from history where Israel, you know, drops pamphlets. Hey, we're coming into this area. We're going to bomb this area. They have a tactic that they sometimes will take a plane and kind of tap with the nose of their plane on the roof giving you warnings to get out. They'll send out um, uh, uh, a text messaging, um, dropping pamphlets. We've seen them clear areas to move uh, Gazans or Palestinians from the north to the south. They provided the open lanes. So those are the independent numbers, 1.5 to 1. And you won't hear that on the news. You won't hear that. But this is what the Israelis are trying to do. So now I'm going to kind of swing back to what, and the reason I'm saying all this is because there's so much pressure on Israel, um, and they're doing what they feel like they need to do, but the ultimate game is they want peace. They want to live in peace, and I'm sure, and I know many Palestinians and Arabs want to live in peace. Um, uh, and we are instructed, if you are a Christian, to pray for the peace, pray for their safety. 
I, I can tell you there's churches, there's some Christian churches in Gaza now that are desperate, that need prayer, need support, need um, uh, um, supplies, food, medical, uh, medicine, etc. So, um, but what I think is happening is it's the setup to what eventually will come because uh, eventually there will be a clamoring for a solution that only one person will step in and that will eventually be the Antichrist and he will come in with um, solutions for Israel, for the world, for economies, uh, war, etc. And it says in Scripture, and I'll, I'll show you this in the book of Daniel, um, so, you know, where we are at right now is the church age, which I show you on that graph in the middle. And I'm pointing to the, uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel, and I've covered this before in the past, where prophetically speaking, uh, this has actually come down to the exact day, and we know that. Uh, so what was written thousands of years ago actually came down specifically in those uh, um, 434 years to the day where Jesus entered Jerusalem as what was prophesied by, by Daniel 500-plus years earlier. But here we are. We're in waiting for the 70th week, which is um, what the seven years uh, uh, of tribulation will be. So, But there has to be that agreement. So you see that uh, in the, near the middle, that um, handshake. And shortly before that, there will be the rapture of the church or the blessed hope. And some people may not believe that. And I think, you know, I've gone through this, and I think I'm going to do another presentation shortly because I've come across more information to back it up. If you don't believe in the rapture, that's fine. It's not a matter of your salvation. Um, but I would say if you look at Daniel, the 70th week is about the Jews. It is about what's happening. So the church must be removed. And I, I just think that's another sign that I've recently concluded. Um, and I just, again, staring me in the face for years. I never saw it. And I went, oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're seeing the pressure on Israel today pointing to what eventually will be that sign where Israel will say, okay, I'll sign that peace agreement because they want peace. Um, so now looking at, uh, let's see, we've got Zechariah. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. I find that interesting because he's talking about the division of Jerusalem. What are we seeing today? East and West Jerusalem. They want the Palestinians to have their capital in East Jerusalem. Joel 3.2, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people. Notice God says, the Jewish people are my people and my heritage Israel. This is the only land in, in the Bible that Lord that the Lord created and gave uh, to his people because they have scattered them among the nations, which we know prophetically has happened, have divided up my land. We see it today. We've seen it for the last 50, well, since 1948, and have cast lots for my people. So we see all these things happening. This is what he's talking about is eventually at the culmination of, of the tribulation before the return of Jesus. But these are the signposts that we're seeing in the headlines today. It's, it's all there. It's all, you know, to me, crystal clear. Um, 
going to switch gears now. China and, I, and Russia and Iran are holding Navy drills aimed at regional security um, as the Middle East tensions flare. So here you have, the reason I want to point this out real quickly is, these are three known enemies in the Bible of Israel in the end times. Russia, Iran, or Persia, um, and, and China. China being the kings of the east, Russia being part of that whole uh, Gog of Magog coalition in Ezekiel 38. So here you have them working together, forming together, forming alliances together. Um, and I believe, and I can't say this conclusively, I believe this is part of the whole two legs uh, uh, of Daniel, um, that, that this is the division of the east and west. So here you have them. Uh, they will be holding joint exercises before the end of March. And the news comes as U.S. coalition launches a new round of strikes on Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. Um, I, I, again, I just, you know, we see kings of the east, and I've, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, I think I, I, I you know what, I, got, I am getting to that in a second in scripture. Let me look at this here. So um, here you see Turkey, Iran, and Russia, the leaders on, on the lower right, Putin, uh, um, the, the President Rouhani, and Erdogan of Turkey. And above that, I show you the map of the War of Gog of Magog. And what do we see? Turkey, Iran, and Russia, um, as well as some other coalition nations. Um, what are they doing now? All three of them have armies on the northern front of Syria, right on the border of Israel. Uh, China, Revelation 16, 12, and the water therefore was dried up uh, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Why do I think they're the kings of the east? Well, down here, Revelation 9 says the army had 200 million soldiers on horses. I heard them say how many they were. This is John, 2,000 plus years ago, writing this. He sees this captured up in the spirit. What do we have today? China, kings of the east. They're the only nation in the world, and I would say potentially surrounding nations by that, that point, that can support a 200 million man army. They're going to, in order to get them into Israel, they're going to need to cross the uh, Euphrates River. I showed you the map there. What do we see today? Euphrates River is, joint, is drying up. I've, I've captured that before. Going back to Israel, I wanted to point out something else that happened. Uh, the UN, UNRWA, they found out that a number of them, uh, where, where they're supported by so many different countries, that they were part, they took place in the attacks of October 7th. Uh, then as Israel is going in, I'm showing you pictures of some of the size of these tunnels, the sophistication of these tunnels. And then I show you on the left that the, all the red, what you would think is scribbling, is actually a mapped out maze of what they have found with the tunnels, uh, 300 plus miles uh, in, in, in Gaza. So, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and the other interesting thing I found, too, is many of the, if you go back to Old Testament, many of the battles specifically um, in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, tunnels were a big part of how they would um, get in and out and, some, and actually make ways for kings to escape. Uh, and, and, and I've been in some of those tunnels, and it's, it's, it's pretty wild how deep and how low they go. Um, so anyway, it, it's, I, I just find it interesting that that's still today, a couple thousand years later, uh, you know, how they're getting around a lot of this. And Israel knew some of it, but didn't know, have 
uh, an inkling how close it was until they had to go in and, and um, start to you know search for the, the hostages. And on that note, I would uh, just continue to urge people, you know, because it's a couple of months, continue to pray, continue to pray for them, their families, and no matter where they're from, um, and, and pray for the Palestinian people in there. There's many of them that, are, you know, are literally, they're held hostage to the ways and means of Hamas. Um, then I want to show you on the left, uh, well, I'm going to cut to the video for it. Um, they hosted a global summit on anti-Semitism ahead of N International uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. In 1938, Franklin uh, Roosevelt called world leaders to a conference in France to decide whether the Jews fleeing from Nazi Germany and confront its leader, Hitler. The conference was a failure on both counts. And what was asked here is, will, will we be any different? At a time when Israel is being openly threatened with an annihilation by the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran, and these calls are being echoed now on the streets of Europe. Even in Berlin, the capital of Nazi Germany, sweets were handed out to children to celebrate this massacre. Um, so, you know, th this is part of what Israel is doing. And I would say part of this is important in the sense of it's a public relations push. I wanted to also point out something to me that I, I, I was quite touched by. Uh, Christian organizations are trying to uh, pressure Qatari businesses to help release the uh, Israeli hostages because obviously uh, many of the Hamas leaders have uh, safe haven in Qatar, so they have an area of influence. <clears throat> and some of the appeals went to the mother of the emir of Qatar, and they were published by Christians. There's a, um, uh, a pastor, Skip Heitzig, great, great teacher. I think New, Me New Mexico is his church. Um, his wife... Uh, wrote an article and she said, today I appeal to your compassionate spirit regarding the urgent situation of over 100 individuals still hostage by Hamas. Among them are young women whose safety at greater risk by the day, causing immeasurable anguish to their families. Um, they were part of a, a, an evangelical delegation with Mike Huckabee, Joel Rosenberg, and others. Uh, they went down to the Gaza border uh, where many hostages hail from and they met with many of the families. <clears throat> Another thing I saw last week, uh, I forget his name, <clears throat> one of the uh, Jerusalem bureau chief of CNN News, um, can't remember his name. A at any rate, he went into some of the tunnels and some of the things of where the hostages were taking place in Gaza with Joel Rosenberg. And um, I, I just found this interesting. He felt compelled to when you know they were coming out of it to take communion and to pray for these people and um, you know so here you know in the middle of this war-torn area and they're in these in these tunnels and they're seeing the prison cells and they're seeing the rooms that many of the hostages were in have now been moved to undisclosed locations uh, but they took that moment to to pray and to appeal to heaven and to honor Jesus I'm sorry. I was just, I was so touched by that. And, and that's really what we need. And, you know, there's, there, there are such incredible spiritual fights that are going on right now. And, um, you know, so at, at, at any rate, you know, just, just continue to pray for them. Um, another thing here, 
Argentina uh, recently, and, and he reminds me a little bit of uh, 45. Um, <clears throat> he's very outspoken, very in your face against the West. I'm sorry, against Europe and, the, uh, and in terms of the global alliances and, and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, so he's been a thorn in the side of, of the, the left wing. Uh, he's come out in full support of Israel. He went down to Israel. He said he's moving the Argentinian capital uh, to Jerusalem. So I think that would be the 10th or the 11th nation to do so since 45 did it in 2017, I think, 2018. Um, and then also there was some news that came out that they when they went into uh, the tunnels and into the area, um, Israel uh, found um, Iranian currency that was handed off. You know, just basically verifying that Hamas has been being paid and supported by the Iranians. So let me switch gears for a second. On video, this is a big year. There are 54 Democratic elections in 2024. Over 50 countries will go to the polls. Uh, billions of voters will make their way in a world fraught with polarization, mis- and disinformation. We depend on journalists who will cover these elections in countries all across the regions. And I would say... Not only do you have a bent and a slant in most media to the left, you now have the, uh, um, the technology to deal with with AI. So <clears throat> AI is very capable of creating articles and spreading disinformation. Uh, and I, I've covered some of this in the past. And, you know, that's, I would say 2023 was the year of AI. Um, and AI can absolutely have a devastating or a positive impact on the direction of the world. Because, you know, ultimately we're talking about, and I referenced Daniel earlier, where the, the, the stage has to be set where the church is removed, the world is in chaos, and that a leader will come in with solutions, which will be the Antichrist. And I think what we're seeing is, a, and I've felt this way for a few years now, a world devoid of, of leadership and it's almost the perfect scenario for somebody to step in. Um, so, you know, look, look for that. Um, going to America now, as I start to wind this down, I don't have to spell the obvious to what the left is trying to do to uh, 46 in or 45 in terms of removing him from the ballots. Um, then, you know, you have so much that's going on uh, with 46. Uh, you know, his mental acuity has been on display. And, you know, I would say that was pretty obvious in 2019 when he was running. But, uh, you know, people were so bent on orange man bad. Um, then, you know, the situation on the border today, the horrendous, it's impacting the entire nation now. Uh, you know, it's going into the sanctuary cities. They can't afford it. They can't house it. Gangs are coming in. Uh, I, I live outside of New York and uh, you know, we saw police being pummeled and, and beaten by uh, um, gang leaders coming in from other nations. We know that um, some of our uh, terrorist nations that uh, are adversaries, China, um, Mid Middle East nations, Russia, it's not just South America or Central America, uh, but it's being done intentionally. It's being done, um, and, you know, I, I just <laughs> it's just so obvious. And, and how the church can be silent and how the church, you know, can sit by and say, oh, I don't want to get involved in politics or something like that. You've got babies. You've got child trafficking. You've got fentanyl. 
drug addiction, deaths. Um, you've got uh, sex trafficking, and, and the church is silent. Not all, but a great deal of the church is silent, and to me, it's cowardice. Um, Brussels, and you see some pushback with the farmers if you've been uh, following anything there with the whole climate change initiatives. Uh, they, they've pushed back, and they actually won. Uh, let me just show you this, where the farmers uprising across uh, uh, the European leadership, and I think a lot of that stemmed from the Netherlands. Yeah, it did. Um, the Netherlands tractor protest farmers, and that would, I would say that would be similar to what we saw in Canada about a year and a half ago. Um, but in this instance, you know, they prevailed, uh, and they are fighting against the sanctions uh, um, of, of what's being attempted to be levied against them. Uh, it's it's just ludicrous. And then finally, last one here. Uh, we saw the chip implant of Neuralink, which is uh, Elon Musk's company. And then uh, China uh, turned around within a week saying, you know, they've successfully done it into the inner ear, uh, Neuralink into the brain. So chips into the brain, chips into the inner ear, chips into the hand. Again, this, you know, it's not what the mark of the beast is in Revelation 13. Uh, but it forces all people, great and small, uh, rich, free, and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast of the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. So it's, it's calling for wisdom, and, you know, the technology is there today. So if you're putting something in your hand or your, you know, your, your inner ear, your brain, um, potentially the technology, I'm not saying this is, but it's pointing to what can be, you can then, that can be uh, uploaded, downloaded uh, via the cloud, you know, on, on a number of different technology fronts that you can transmit. The, uh, think, of, um, think of software upgrades or firmware upgrades, um, and sometimes you may get malware. Sometimes you may get, you know, that skull of death. Um, but that is what, what could be, you know, pointing our way. So all of these things are... Uh, signposts, I believe. But ultimately, as I said in the very beginning, this is about, you know, the end game, the due date. And the due date is what? The due date is this, that Jesus returns and that the gospel and the good news of King Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. So, you know, that to me is the focal point. But it is also when I see all of these signs and I see the things that we're living in, it gives me a heightened sense of to share the gospel, to share the good news, to say, hey, you know, we know these things were coming. We can look into the book. The Bible is the only book out of any religion that predicts the future, and it's done so with 100% accuracy. So again, this is why I push to prophecy should be taught in, 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 in churches or, you know, different uh, Christian groups and whatnot. It, it's a powerful, powerful force um, and people are hungry for the truth. Again, you know, you think of, uh, what was it, the doomsday clock just moved up another 10 seconds. I think it's around a minute now um, where these are scientists, you know, looking at the different nuclear uh, developments. We see it in Iran. Iran's, you know, is just there, already there, just about there, if not there today. Uh, just yesterday, news came out that Russia may be looking towards arming space with nuclear warheads. Uh, and if I look at the descriptions of many of the battles that are to come, it looks like uh, nu nuclear engagements. So 
Um, but I wanted to, you know, point to the due date. The due date is Jesus is coming, and he said, I am coming soon. So be ready, be prepared. If you're not sure, you know, if you want to email russicoutlook at gmail.com, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to point you or try to find a church in your area. Um, but whatever it is, you know, and it's really a matter of opening up your heart if you don't know the Lord. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Will you be the Lord of my life? And uh, that's step one. There's, you know, much more beyond that. Uh, and I'd be happy to share any information that I can that could potentially help you. Um, but uh, any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. And again, if you would like to attend the March 2nd, uh, um, please email me and um, I'll send you that information. So my name is Mark. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion. <laughs>